Alrighty, let's pray together, shall we? Lord, we just want to thank you for your presence here. We thank you for being able to celebrate as a whole family. We thank you for the little ones, Lord, and we pray a blessing on them today. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would just come and bring your rest and your focus and your peace. Father, I pray you send your ministering angels to just be with us. We welcome you, Lord. Come have your way. Pray in Jesus' name. We all said, Amen. If you turn with me in your Bibles, I think Ivan's very nicely put it up there, but you can find it in your Bible too, or your phone, or app, or whatever you're using. Luke chapter 11. There we go. And verse 33, let's read together. It says, No one when he has lit a lamp puts it in a secret place or under a basket, but on a lampstand that those who come in may see the light. The lamp of the body is the eye. Therefore, when your eye is good, your whole body also is full of light. But when your eye is bad, your body also is full of darkness. Therefore, take heed that the light which is in you is not darkness. I want to talk this morning about focus. And about what we focus on. And uh, as you read in God's word, that what we look at, our eye, what we're focusing on, is what comes into our life. And so be careful, take heed of what you're looking at, is really what that is saying. Be careful what you're looking at. Be careful what you're focusing on. Because the eye is our point of vision. What you look at, what you focus on, is what you bring into your life. And when our vision is focused, we're also going to fulfill the vision and the call God has in our life. When we're focused and we're looking and we're focusing on the right things that God has called called us to, then we're going to bring those things into our life. When you focus on the things that God doesn't want you to look at, doesn't want you to keep on bringing into your life, then you're going to get off track. And that's what I want to talk about this morning, is what are we looking at? What are you focusing on? Because God wants us to go from faith to faith. And he does that by us always having something to reach out for. Always having, you know, God's always got more. There's always more of him. It's not like when we ask Jesus into our life as you go, yeah, you do the foundations course and you do this and this and this. And then you get to the end and that's it. As we all know, we're finding out is that that's not how God is. And there is so much more. And that heaven opens up to us and there's all of heaven to explore and the universe. And, you know, it's so much more of God. It's just not like, oh, well, you ask Jesus into your life, you get baptized, you do this, you do that, and that's it. No. God wants us to go from faith to faith, ever increasing. And uh, I was hanging out with Abraham this week and I'm very blessed to have him as my granddad and he's your granddad too. We're all children of Abraham, but the Lord is just allowing me to get taught from him, and, and um, I was talking with him, and, and Abraham, if you look in Genesis chapter 15, it um, talks about how God came to him, and he gave him a promise. He said, he said I am your shield and your exceeding great reward, and, and then the word came to Abraham, and he's like, well, Abraham said to God, what will you give me? 
Isn't that funny that here is God, and I've talked about that a few weeks ago, here is God and he comes to Abraham and he says to Abraham, I'm your exceedingly great reward, I'm your shield. And then Abraham says, well, what will you give me? See, God actually likes it when we ask. He's our father and he wants us to ask. Because he didn't just go, well, that should be enough, did he? He didn't say to Abraham, well, I'm your exceedingly great reward, what else do you want? But religion tells us that's exactly all we should ask for. You're saved. You're going to heaven. Don't ask for anything more. It might be terrible down here, but don't ask God. Come on now. I'm not worthy. Oh, I might be disappointed. All that stuff. And God, Abraham knew God. And he said, well, what are you going to give me? I don't even have an ear. I don't have a child. And he says to him, well, come out here with me. Notice that he took him out of his everyday little tent life where all the busyness of his world and his life were represented in his household and he took him out of there and he says to him, look up at the stars. Can you count them? And Abraham goes, well, of course I can't count them. There's too many. Remember, there's no lights out there. And he says, that's how your family will be. So many, so vast, all your descendants will be. Look up at the stars. Why do you think the father took him outside? Why didn't just, you know, talk to him in the tent? Talk to him and, you know, where he's comfortable on the lounge. Why did he do that? He took him outside and spoke the promise to him because he wanted to show him what to focus on. He wanted to take him out of the everyday stuff and the noise and busyness around him. And he took him outside and he said, look up and focus. And, and I was talking to Abraham. I said, well, you know, I wonder how often you did that. And he says, a lot. He would have focused on that a lot. He would go outside and he'd, he'd, you know, in the evening and he'd just look up. And he had no child. And yet he would look up and remember God's promise. And it says that he, he believed God. It says, God spoke and Abraham chose to believe. He focused, every time he looked up at the stars, he focused on what God had said. There's another story in Genesis chapter 30, and it's verse 32. It's the story of Jacob. Now, Jacob is a guy that had a brother named Esau, and he was the second born, and he uh, stole his older brother's blessing, really. It was a gone convoluted story, and you can read it in Genesis. But he stole the blessing, and then he had to run away from home because his older brother wanted to kick his butt. You know, you stole my blessing, even though Esau had not um, valued it. And so Jacob had paid a lot. He'd paid a great price to grab hold of the blessing that he, that he valued. And here he is, and he's working for his uncle Laban, and, he, and uncle Laban was not an honest man. And he, and he, you know, would do him out of wages over and over and over again. So Jacob goes, I've paid a lot for this blessing. I know the power of the blessing. I know the power of when God says he'll bless you, that's exactly what he'll do. And so he says to his uncle Laban, all right, I'm going to grab the speckled and the spotted sheep and all the brown one among the lambs, and I'm going to grab the spotted and the speckled among the goats, and these shall be my wages. And so he takes and he separates all the goats and the sheep out. Now, if you know anything about gene pools and you know anything about sheep, I'm a sheep farmer's daughter, so I know a little bit about sheep. And he, he, he knew that if he did that, without the blessing in operation, that that was a recessive gene. To have spots and speckled is a recessive gene. 
But you know what he did? He knew how the blessing worked, that it will override natural things. Just like Abraham knew when he focused on what God said, it would override natural things. Sarah was too old to have a baby, yet he focused on what God had said. He looked up. And Jacob, he does this. He goes down to the watering hole. He goes and he goes a good day's journey away from where his uncle Laban's herds were. And he sets up camp and he grabs some poplar trees and he cuts marks in the poplar trees to make the sticks, these rods, all speckled and spotted. And then he sticks them down in front of the water hole where the sheep and the goats would come and drink and mate. And so they would mate right in front of his speckled and spotted rods that he had made. Now, why did he do that? So every time Jacob would be sitting there, you know, watching, his, watching and looking after his herds, that he would see and he would focus and he would remember the blessing and the power of it, that it will override natural things, regardless of whether those sheep had a recessive gene and he wasn't going to get spots and speckles, that he would focus and see those, those rods in the ground with all the little flecks in them and he'd say, the blessing is going to work because I am blessed. And I'm going to have a great big herd of spotted and speckled sheep and goats. And that's exactly what happened. The power of focusing on what God has said. The power of keeping your eye on what God has said and keeping it focused is powerful. And it will override natural things. Regardless of what the world might say, regardless of what your body might tell you, regardless of your financial situation, your family situation, God is in the business of overriding things to get the promises to you. He is the God of El Shaddai, more than enough, everything you need, and he will do it for you. If you walk in his ways, if you go, God, I'm going to grab hold of the promises of what you say, he will do it for you. And Abraham and Jacob are very good examples of that. As they they just let the, the blessing and who they were and who their God was go into operation, but they stayed focused. Every time Abraham walked out the door and looked up, He wasn't thinking, oh, what a pretty night. He was going, they're my descendants. Look at them all. Every time Jacob would go down and watch his sheep and look after them and his goats, he was saying, look at all those spotted and speckled sheep. He was seeing his herds increase, and that's exactly what God did. There's power in focus, and God wants us to grab hold of it, that there's power in focusing on what he has said. Focus on the thing that God has put before you and you'll pull that into your life. It will manifest into your life because it's about focusing. The secret of concentration is elimination. The narrower the edge of the sharp, the narrower the edge, the sharper the knife. We have so much stuff going on in our life and so much coming at us, you know, like, I was talking to somebody about the computer stuff they're doing now and that um, you're going to be able to um, read your emails where you're in the shower because you'll be able to get it up on the glass and wherever you go, you're going to be bombarded with information, which is great but not great. When do you have your downtime and when are you able to focus on just one thing? It's scary, really. Yeah? And it's, it's great technology, but don't let it cause you to lose focus because we how many times do we spend I thought I heard it's two hours a day most people spend just scrolling through Facebook yeah you might be surprised start clocking it yeah you don't have Facebook good job Monica (laughs) 
But it's like, it's, it's like we need to focus and some things we need to eliminate in our life. When God speaks to us and we're trying to pull stuff into our life, we can't be distracted by other things. When God speaks to us, we've got to just focus on him. If Abraham had been looking around him at the camp and, and all the other worries and his wife having, you know, been disappointed and all that, his faith and his belief in God would have pulled him down and he would not have been able to focus on the promise of God. Instead of looking up and meditating and thanking God for his descendants, he would have been looking at what he could see now. And that is a mistake we all make, that we, we live and we breathe too often on what we can see and touch with our own eyes and own hands. And God says, look up and look at what I am saying to you and focus on that. So what are you focusing on? You know, one of the things the Lord is sharing with me, and I'm sharing it at Spirit School next week, is, is living above the light line. And I was running with, and, and the Lord's, I spend time talking to the Lord when I run. It takes me off, uh, muscles screaming at me. But I'm running along and I'm going, Lord, I just want to live above the light line. I want to live in the spirit realm more. I want to not be, you know, swayed by the things that I see with my natural eyes, but live in that realm more. And I'm running along, and I'll just tell you something, and we're going to talk a bit more about it at spirit school, so maybe you'll go, oh, I should come. But uh, it's that, it's like the Holy Spirit just spoke to me, and he said, where your spirit goes, your flesh will follow. I'll let you think about that. Where your spirit goes, your body will follow. And I'm going, oh, that's got ramifications in a big way. You know, it's like, it's like we, ju- we just need to lift our vision, lift our focus. And I said, well, how, God, do I do that? And he says, let go of the things of the world. Let go of the worries and the cares and the distractions, and you look up at me. And where your spirit is soaring, you can go. And, you, and your body and your flesh and all the worried things come off. I mean, it means a whole lot more than that, but I'm not talking about that this morning. But it's like what you focus on is what you're going to bring into your life. So what are you focused on? And I've got three points I want to talk to you about. One thing I know, one thing I seek, one thing I do. So what's the one thing that Jesus has called you to do? What's the one thing you know? What are you believing for? Because it's not okay to just, oh, well, I've got to here and I'm going to camp out now. God wants us to keep on believing, ever increasing. Yeah, I've, you know, I had this amazing encounter with God and I've seen angels and I've seen this and, and yet you can't camp out there. God wants us to keep on believing for more and keep on believing that he will do things. That's what it means to ever increasing faith because it's all about our faith. It's all about what God wants you to believe. He wants you to believe for more and more. He just doesn't want you to stay in one place. So what are you believing for? What is the one revelation that you have that God is speaking to you right now? What is the one thing that you know that God is speaking to you right now that he wants to do in your world, that he's asking you to focus on, that he's asking you to lift out of the stuff of the world, the stuff that pulls us down and so easily entangles us? What is he asking you to lift out of and look up to him and believe for? What is one thing that I know? Abraham, it was that he would have a family. Jacob, it was that the power of the blessing would go into operation in his life. 
He'd paid a big price for it, and so he made a demand on it. What is the one thing? And I don't care how old you are, God will still use you, and God still wants you to believe. You know, Billy Graham, he tells a story of this lady, and she was 80 years old, which isn't that old, by the way. 80 years old, but she didn't have that revelation. And so she, she um, was in a nursing home, and she was blind. But she knew Jesus. And she said, Lord, what am I going to do now? I'm blind. I'm in a nursing home. I'm no good to you. And she felt the Lord say, yes, you are. Pick up the phone book and go to A. And she's like, all right then. So she opened the book and he says, now pick up the phone and start at the first name at the top of the page and ring them. And when you get them on the phone, talk to them and tell them that I love them and share about me with them. So she started at A. This blind lady, 80 years old, thinking that God couldn't use her anymore. And she flicked and she would go through. She went A and B and C. Do you know how many people she led to Jesus just talking to them on the phone? 3,000 people. So don't tell me that God is finished with you until you're up there in heaven and you're up there permanently. Because he always has a purpose and a call for each one of us. And since none of you are blind, and none of you are even 80, come on. Come on now. 3,000 people just by getting on the phone and sharing about Jesus. 3,000 people that said yes. God has a purpose and he wants us to look up and see what he has. What for us? What do you know? What are you believing for? What is God calling for you to do in your world? What does he want? He puts you on this planet for a reason and a purpose. What is it? What do you know? Number two is one thing I seek. Psalm 26 and verse 4. I want to read with you. Can I come up behind me probably? We got it up there. I have not sat. No, that's not it. Psalm 26. Did I get the wrong? That's not it. <laughs> that's an interesting. <laughs> it's a good thing. Hang on, let me see. It's talking about one thing I seek, one thing I desire. Might be Psalm 24. Anyway, I'll tell you from memory. It says, one thing I seek, one thing I desire, that I might dwell in your house, O Lord. That, that I will inquire of, of you. That, you know, so I, one thing I seek is to know God. When you're seeking God, I mean, you might be sitting here going, well, I have no idea why God's put me here, or I have no idea what God wants of me. I don't really know. But I'm telling you that you are here for a purpose and a plan. And God wants to speak. And so when you want to know what God wants for you, what he's planned for you, what is it that you're here for? Why has he made you the way you are? Why are you here this morning? Is that seek him. Don't be lazy. Seek him. One thing I seek that I might know. Verse 27. Psalm 27. Oh, here we go. Verse 4. Psalm 27. Ivan, sorry. Verse 4 says, One thing I have desired of the Lord, that I will, that will I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. When you inquire of the Lord, he's going to speak. 
He's going to show you what it is that he wants you to do. He's going to show you what it is that he wants to reveal in your life. He's going to give you a purpose and a plan and a vision. Because if you don't have a vision, you will wander around aimlessly, the Bible says. You'll grab hold of something and then that's done. What now? You've got your house. You've got your car. You know, you might have got a job or you're studying and it's like, well, is that all there is? You might even even have found your ultimate partner. And you're going, well, what, what now? Well, then seek God and ask him. One thing I seek, ask, seek, knock. Don't be lazy. Life does go by. No matter how long you're going to live for, it does go by. And if you're not seeking and inquiring and going from faith to faith, ever increasing, don't camp back here when you're, you know, 19 whatever, 2000 whatever, and go, oh, well, that was then. And, um, you know, God wants us to inquire of him constantly and check up with him and find out what it is that he has for us to do. That's when you run the race. That's when you run the race well. And you go, yes, God. What is it that, you, that he's asking of you? One thing I seek. One thing I know. One thing I seek. In John chapter 21, there's a story about Peter. And I wanted to share that with you because Peter was a disciple and he, he denied Je- knowing Jesus three times. When, when the soldiers came to get him and, and the garden and Peter and his disciples were there with Jesus and um, he was arrested and taken away and the disciples were afraid. And so they, they, they ran away, really. And so then he was waiting outside the temple courts, Peter was, and three times people said, weren't you with that guy Jesus? Weren't you with him? And three times Jesus, Peter denied knowing Jesus. Three times the saviour of the world, that he had seen do amazing miracles. This is Peter who walked on the water. And yet three times he denied knowing Jesus. He lost sight of his focus. In the hard pressure point of life, he lost focus. And the world came in and fear came in and he let the ball go. But Peter is a great story of how God redeems us and how he redeems situations. Because you'll find in John chapter 21, this is when Jesus is risen from the dead and uh, he's hanging out with the disciples and he's appeared a couple of times and he actually makes them breakfast. But he finds them, they'd all gone back fishing. They were fishermen. And too often we can do the same thing. We get a hit, we get a faith hit, things didn't turn out the way we wanted and so we go back to what we know, instead of focusing on what God has said. Jesus had told his disciples who he was and what he's there for, but they lost focus of it, and they got afraid, so they went back to the old way of life. And Peter, he, uh, he hears a voice, they hear the voice, and Jesus says to them from the shore, they're out fishing, they've been out all night, and they caught nothing. But morning had come, and Jesus stood on the shore but they, weren't sure, they didn't even really know it was him. And he said to them, children, have you any food? And they answered him, no. And he said to them, cast the net on the other side of the boat and you will find some. So they cast and now they are not able to draw in because of the multitude of fish. 
Here's Peter out fishing. He's a fisherman. He knows how to fish and he's caught nothing. And here's this Jesus guy on the beach. And they kind of think that's Jesus. And they're like, oh, well, let's give it a go. And then you see that Peter, he goes, it's the Lord. And Simon Peter heard that it was Jesus. And he put on his outer garment and he plunged into the sea. And the other disciples, they came along dragging the net with fish. And Peter runs up and he says, and he says it's you, Lord. And so they had breakfast together. Now, I want to talk to you about what happened on that beach. Here's a disciple who at the crucial time had denied knowing Jesus. Jesus was crucified and Peter, full of remorse and disappointment in himself, he goes back fishing. Jesus finds him and they weren't having a very profitable time. So often that can be us when we get disappointed or we've lost our way or we've lost our focus and we're not really sure what to do, we go back. We go back fishing and we go back to the things we know. And but it doesn't work out how it should. You're not doing as well as you should. You know that you've, there's something more and it's not working out. And that was Peter. He was a fisherman, but he wasn't having a very profitable time. No fish all night. Maybe you're sitting there thinking, that sounds like me. I've been doing stuff, but nothing's happening. I just can't seem to make it work. Well, Peter is a man who can encourage you because of his life story. Jesus calls out and he says, put your net on the other side of the boat. Jesus speaks to Peter and tells him what he needed to do. Now listen, when God calls to you, you can choose right then and there whether you will listen. And often he will not lay out the great big plan of his purpose and his plan for you all in one hit. He will go, hey, just like he did Peter. Hey, Peter, put the net over on the other side of the boat. Now, Peter had a choice then, what he would do. Because God always leaves us choices. What will you do? Will you go, well, I've been out here all night fishing. Who's this guy? What does he think? I'm a fisherman. It hasn't worked. Or will you listen and obey? Will you listen and just do what Jesus asked you to do? Well, I don't want to, or it doesn't feel like right. I've been disappointed before. It's like we've got to make a choice there. Will we just do what Jesus asks us to do? Peter listened, and because of that, then the Lord speaks to him. And you'll find that. He says, let's have breakfast together. And, then he, and he says to him, yes, Lord. You, and he says, Simon, do you love me? And Peter goes, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And he says to him, feed my lambs. And then he asks him a second time, Peter, do you love me? Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And he says, then tend my sheep. And then he said to Peter a third time, Peter, do you love me? Peter was a little bit upset by this time. And he said, you know that I love you. And then he says, then feed my sheep. Right then and there. Jesus had spoken to him. Peter had answered. He said, I'm going to do, even though it doesn't make any sense, I'm going to do what you're asking him to do. I've been out here all night fishing, but I will do what you ask me to do. Do not overthink when God speaks. It's like, well, what if, it, what if, what if, like Rhea was talking about, what if, well, what if it works? What if it does work? What if? And Peter was prepared to make the jump because he knew who was talking to him. 
And so he did, and he cast out on the nets, and he pulled in a catch. And because he obeyed in the one little thing, then Jesus spoke to him, and he restored him. He said, Peter, do you love me? He gave him a chance three times to say, yes, I love you, because God is in the business of restoring. He denied Peter, Jesus three times, and so he got to say, I love you publicly three times. Don't ever think that you can mess up so bad that God isn't going to love you anymore. He knew what Peter needed. Peter needed to say publicly, I love you, God. I love you, Jesus. I will follow you. I put you first. And three times Jesus allowed him to do that. And then he says to him, because of that, he says, okay, now I'm going to tell you what you're here for. See, it's... We've got to take the step of obeying in the little thing. Peter decided to obey, even though it made no sense, and put the net down. And because of that, he, it wasn't the fish that it was about. It was the fact that Peter obeyed, that he took a risk. They allowed God to speak. And because he took a risk and obeyed in that one little thing, it allowed him to be restored, to say that he loved Jesus. And then Jesus spoke. And that's where he revealed the vision to him. And he said, right. Tend my sheep, look after my lambs, feed them. He was talking about the church. He's saying, Peter, I have a job for you. Look after the little ones. Look after the ones that are just coming to know me. You're the one I'm putting in charge to do that. You're the one I'm putting in place to do that. But if Peter had never just obeyed in the little thing that made no sense to him, he would have missed out because he would have been focusing on all the things he could see and all the reasons why he shouldn't do it. And I know better. How often do we do that? I know better. Or this hasn't worked before. Just do it. Just do it. Because when you do that, when you obey in the little things of your life, then God will release the vision and he will show you what you're here to do. But what's the point if you won't even do the little things? If you won't even obey in the little things, why would you grab, why are you going to grab hold of the big thing? Be trusted in the little things. My key is to take an empty clipboard to the prayer room. When I go to God, now it's too easy to go with a great big list of agendas of God, you fix this, 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 and this in my life, and then I'll do that. You fix this, this, this in my life, and then I will follow you. Then I will trust you. Then I'll be confident in you. Uh uh. Take an empty clipboard and say, God, you speak. What do you want? Because it's too easy to just, you know, you give God your agenda and you miss out on what he has for you because you're too busy talking. When you go to God and you seek him, zip it. Zip it. What's it got up there? Clipboard. (laughs) Okay, so take an empty clipboard to the prayer room. Peter didn't argue with Jesus even though he was a fisherman and it was his trade. He just did what God showed him to do. When you seek God, be quiet and listen. Listen to what he's saying, even if it makes no sense. Don't tell the Lord what he should do. You listen. Listen to him. Last one, number three. So one thing I know, what do you know? What are you believing for? What has God said to you? One thing I seek inquire of God regularly how he's going to do that. Or if you don't know what God's asking you to do, or you don't know why you're here, or you don't know what to do, then seek God. And don't give him the agenda, and don't tell him how to do things. You seek him.
And one thing I do, Philippians 3 verse 13 says, one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind, I press forward. And I know we talk about that a lot of not looking behind and not looking at the past all the time and not, you know, trying to run the race, but we keep on being dragged back to the past. What will you do with what God has already revealed to you? What are you doing about it? How are you living? And what will you do? What did you do with the last thing God showed you? Last time you knew that God spoke, what did you do? Did you obey? Did you argue? Did you get offended? Or did you do it? What, did you, what will you do when God reveals to you? And what did you do the last time? And as I was running this morning and I was talking to the Lord about my message, I looked around, I was running along and I'm, I'm coming down halfway through my run and I looked behind me and I looked back and I'm like, I had this thought, oh, I'm really halfway there. I could just, you know, slack off a bit now. And the Holy Spirit said, no. When you look behind, it's not just about letting things go. It's also not getting proud and going, oh, well, I've done a good job about how far you've come. It's too easy for us to congratulate ourselves too early. Oh, I'm okay. I've come a long way. You should have seen me before. You should have seen what I was like. And we look back and when we do that, We're going to slow down, we're going to trip up, and we're not going to stay focused on the vision. It's great to acknowledge how far God has taken us, but don't camp out looking back like that. Because you'll miss it, you'll get tired, you'll lose focus, and you'll stop. You'll start walking instead of running. I've come a long way. You should have seen me before. I've done enough. I've been stretched enough, I'm here, and I've been stretched enough, and I'm quite happy here. Don't ask anything more of me, God. Come on now. And God's going, come on, focus. I've got more for you. I've got more for you. One thing I will do, forgetting those things that are behind, I will focus on the call that God has on my life. What will you do when God reveals What did you do last time? Peter chose to forget the past. He he chose to forget that he denied knowing Jesus. He chose to forget his bad days, his lack of success at his job that he'd gone back to. He chose to forget. Instead, he chose to listen to Jesus calling. And my question is, are you listening? Are you listening to Jesus calling this morning? Are you listening? Peter listened. And he was prepared to do something even though it made no sense. Or I've done it before. He chose to listen. And he chose to do what Jesus first instructed. Put your net out on the other side. And then he jumped out of the boat and he headed to Jesus. When God asks you to do something, he's just going to go, oh, I'll do that. You run to Jesus. You stay connected to him. And then he said publicly, I choose to follow you. He chose to listen and to do what Jesus had revealed to him. You know, it takes a lot of mental and emotional and spiritual strength to say, focus on the promises of God and what he's called you to do. It takes a lot of strength and you can't do it by yourself. When you ask Jesus to be your Lord and Saviour, you ask him to fill you with his power. You ask him to do all those things and then he starts to speak. 
don't try to do it alone because you cannot. Your old boy of life will come up behind you and tap you on the shoulder and whisper, hey, come back and do this stuff. And you will waver if you're trying to live the Christian walk, if you're trying to to do what God asks you to do by yourself. You're going to trip up every time. You need his strength, his empowering, his enable, his, his ability from heaven in your life. Don't try to do it by yourself because it takes too much strength. Every time Abraham went out and looked up at those stars, he was talking to the Father. Thank you, Father, you're doing this for me. He looked up and he focused. The world and circumstance and other people will choose to shout other things. They'll choose to shout other things at you. And you've got to make the quality decision that I will choose to follow and live for Jesus. Regardless of what the world or my friends or my family or those around me may say, you have to make that decision every day to focus on what God has called you to do and I will live for Jesus. That's not just a one-off decision. That's every day. Sometimes moment by moment, if you're in a pressure situation, is I will choose to live for Jesus. I choose that I want more. I choose that what I have is not enough. You know, God loves that. He loves hungry people. He loves it when you go, God, I want more of you. God, I want to see this. I want you to move in my life. I want you to move in my family. I want more. I choose to live for you, but I want more. John chapter 10 verse 10 says that I have come to give you fullness and abundant and overflowing life, that heaven will come into your world, that you engage heaven so that it might bring it into this world, into your family, into your situation, into your household, that you would feel the presence and power of God, that it would be stuff on you so that when you touch other people, stuff gets on them. That's what God wants. And you choose to live for Jesus. That's what comes into your world is heaven comes in. But you've got to make that choice that I will forget the stuff behind, no matter if it's good, if it's bad, if it's ugly, whatever it is, I choose to follow Jesus. I choose. God won't make that choice for you. He leaves us with choices. Make a decision. I'm going to live for him. So number one, focus on the revelation. What do you know? What are you believing for? Stay focused on it. Stay focused. Don't get wavered. Don't get disappointed. If you want to experience God more, if you want to experience heaven, if you want to, you know, honor those things. I've talked about that before. Don't get distracted. If you want to see God do something in your family or in your university or in your workplace, in your life, focus on that. Go, God, I want you to move. I'm I'm, I'm bringing all of you into my life. Focus on him. Go, God, you do something. What do you know? Then focus on intercession. If you aren't sure or you just need to seek him just keep on seeking him go with an empty clipboard and then focus on action revelation intercession action just do it don't talk about it church is very good about talking I'm gonna do this have your own story you can share other people's story you know, we, we love listening to Justin and when he shares his story and when he came to visit, he sat down at the, at the um, dinner table and Shara says, oh, tell me some sport stories. And he goes, you can't handle it. And he goes, she goes, bring it on. Well, after about an hour, she's like, okay, enough. <laughs> it's good to hear other stories. You know why it's good to hear other people's stories? 
because it's meant to inspire us to have our own. Don't just be satisfied with God is doing this in other people's life. Say, God, I want that for me. I want that for me. Yeah? I want that for me. And act on it. Focus on it. Seek it. Seek God. I want you to work in my life. That's what Jacob did. He stuck those rods in the front of all those sheep and goats, and he says, right, you're going to have little baby lambs that are spotted and speckled. He was bold. Can you imagine all his servants? They probably thought he was a nutter. Don't just surprise when God asks you to do things because other people will think you're nuts. That's okay. The Bible says we're peculiar people. You're very peculiar. It's okay because we're not from here anyway. Where are we from? Heaven. So it doesn't matter. Just a little note at the end as I finish. There's this guy named Jehoshaphat. Everybody say Jehoshaphat. And uh, he, he was going out to battle and, and the Lord, he inquired of the Lord what to do. He knew that God was with him. And then he seeked God because, sought God because he wasn't sure how to do what he was called to do. He was in a battle. And then he said, and God spoke to him and he said, send out the musicians into battle first. How about that worship team? You go out to battle first. You're out in front. The army will be behind you. So... Jehoshaphat sent the army and out front was the worshippers. And that's what he, he sent them out. And because he inquired of the Lord and sought him, they won the battle. So Jehoshaphat thought, oh, good, God's with me. I've sought him that time. Yep, and so time went along. And then he, made, he was a king and he made alliances with other kings. And because he'd won off, God had done this for him before. He says, God's with me, I know that. But I'm not going to bother seeking him about this because, you know, this makes sense. It's good financial sense. It may, looks good. It's all good. And so he made allegiances with these other kingdoms, and it was his downfall. A little note. One thing you know that God is with you, but always seek and inquire for every move and every step you make. God, what do you want me to do? Because otherwise you can make the mistake that Jehoshaphat made, and it might look good, And you might take for granted what you think you know, but it can get you in a mess. So inquire of the Lord. Don't just go on what it looks like on the face value. Seek God because he knows people's hearts and motives and intentions. Amen? You don't want to miss what God has for you. Keep your eye focused on what you know. Seek him if you're not sure or you don't know what to do next. And then do it. And be like Abraham and Jacob and see the blessing and see heaven come into your life. Let's pray together. Lord, we thank you for your presence here. I thank you for your word that brings direction and correction and revelation. Lord, Lord, I pray this morning that we would be people who know you more. Know the reality of who you are. Know the reality of your kingdom and how it works. Lord, that we would have hearts and minds to seek after you. And even when it scares us, that we would just do it. Lord, help us to go from faith to faith, from strength to strength, drawing closer to you. Lord, I pray that you would just release dreams and visions right now. Show us, Lord, each one of us, what it is that you're speaking to us. Just release that Holy Spirit.
We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.